this morning. Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 32 this morning. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible said and there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then Jesus, or then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiment, uh, his raiment, and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others; let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. And saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And the superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. If the Lord will help me for a little bit this morning, I really want your prayers. Uh, you pray for me and, and pray that God would speak to the hearts of those who are here. But I want to preach on this thought, how to go to hell while hanging on a cross. How to go to hell while hanging on a cross. Pray with me and for me, please. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in your house. Uh, Lord, one more time. Uh, God, I don't stand here, Lord, out of uh, Lord a lack of priority. God, I understand the importance of what I'm about to do. Lord, I understand that I, uh, God being the vessel and the voice, God, that will preach the Word of God. There's no power, Lord, within my feeble attempt to preach, but God, there is power in the Word of God. So Lord, I pray this morning that the Word of God would go forth in power and in demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray, dear God, Lord, for one that may be here lost this morning, I pray they get saved before... It's everlasting, too late. I pray, God, for uh, those who are saved, Lord, that we would get a fresh view and a fresh vision of Calvary and what the Lord Jesus did for us, Lord, uh, some 2,000 years ago that, uh, God, the blood was shed for our sin and on our behalf. And, Lord, I pray, God, for unction and power. Lord, I, I pray for a touch from on high. Please, Lord, use me. And, uh, God, for what you do in this place, we'll... Thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus' name and all of God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. By way of introduction, may I say this morning, this is without a doubt the most tragic but the most triumphant story in all of the Bible. May I say this morning, there's nothing worse 
than the Lord Jesus Christ having to die for the sin of mankind. But for us, there's nothing greater. Uh, can I remind you this morning that if we got what we deserved, we would have died our own death and we would have paid for our sin through the penalty of a place called hell. Uh, but I'm glad, thank God, we just celebrated Christmas. Can I say this this morning, that Christmas is not only celebrated once a year by Christians, uh, but every day we ought to live our lives uh, uh, thankful that the Lord Jesus uh, came as a little baby boy on this earth to live and to die for the sin of the whole wide world. Uh, can I say this morning, uh, I don't understand why anybody uh, would reject such a wonderful gift. Uh, uh, may I say this morning, we just come out of uh, Christmas just yesterday and uh, probably everybody in here uh, received gift and uh, gifts and gift after gift and uh, without hesitation you were thankful that somebody uh, bought you something without hesitation you were thankful that somebody loved you enough and was thoughtful enough to purchase something up for you without hesitation you opened your arms and received that gift and you unwrapped that gift and some of you may even cried over that gift uh, you were so joyful uh, that somebody loved you enough uh, to give you a gift my friend uh, I thank God for family and I thank God for friends uh, uh, but there's never been a gift uh, uh, that's been given any greater uh, than on a hill called Calvary uh, some 2,000 years ago uh, uh, when the Lamb of God was given His life was given as a gift uh, uh, for all of mankind uh, can I say salvation is so simple uh, they made it so complicated uh, uh, most 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 Christians uh, have made salvation way more complicated than it is what is it preacher it's to realize that should have been you uh, on that cross but it wasn't and it was Christ that paid your sin it was Christ that took your sin it was Christ that became your sin and all you've got to do is accept the free gift of salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful gift. What a wonderful gift. I, I, I can't even begin to express the gift that Christ gave you and I. We've heard this phrase, the gift that keeps on giving. That surely is the gift that keeps on giving. I, I, I ask you this morning to pray for me. I'm struggling physically. I don't know what's wrong with my voice. I can't got one. I've had two services off and, and I still can't, can't hardly get where I want to get preaching. But may I say this morning that that's the greatest gift that the world's ever known. Yes. I, I, in my mind, Brother Shelby, this week, I've just been thinking about Jesus. I mean, I think that's what a Christian ought to be thinking about. Yes. And, and, and listen to me that it, we need to teach our kids and we need to live our lives like this it's better to give and receive simply for the fact to be a Christian is to be like Christ and may I say oh, glory to God he didn't hardly get anything he didn't get nothing the Bible said he didn't have no money he didn't have a home he didn't have nothing the Bible said the foxes had holes and the bird had nests but the son of man had nowhere to lay his own head my God friend he never received anything but 
He gave everything. I'm trying to tell you this morning uh, that the greatest gift that's ever been brought under uh, planet earth was the Lord Jesus on the cross of Calvary as they mocked Him and spit on Him and as they plucked His beard from His face, uh, as they mounted the crown of thorns upon His head uh, and, the, and the thorns went down into His brow as they ripped His flesh from His back uh, with the cat of nine tails and spit Him, uh, spit on Him and hit Him uh, and made fun of Him and, and gambled over His clothes, stripped Him back naked uh, to shame Him before all of the world yet he opened on his mouth. And when he did, he prayed, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. My friend, I begin to think about all the goodness of the Lord. We've been singing that song, and that was the day that Miss Van got saved. We're singing the goodness of God. And uh, I'm just going to tell you this morning, all my life, he's been faithful. Yes. In all my life, He's been so, so good. With every breath that I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. He's been good. Why look at Calvary? And again, it's the most tragic day on the planet, but it's the most triumphant day. How can something so, so horrific be so good? Well, had it not taken place, you and I would have absolutely no hope. I hope that's sinking in. We're, we're solemn this morning. And it's sweet right now and that's the way it ought to be. I mean, what, what, what better way to come out of Christmas, Brother Shelby, to just come in and say, thank you, Lord. Yeah. I, I, I ain't got nothing to woo you. I ain't got nothing to impress you this morning. I don't feel the best. I mean, I really don't have a lot to offer you, but this ain't about me. There was a lamb that was slain for our sin and for our problems and for our struggles and for our mistakes and for our shortcomings. I mean, when he was on that cross, I know you've heard it, but let it let it reminisce and sing in your heart when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He thought about you. Why would he think about somebody like me? Why would he think about somebody like you? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you to death, literally. He loves you to death. What a great way to come out of Christmas, I thought, than to go to the cross. But when I went to the cross, I also became heartbroken because there was a man there that day. It was all right in front of him. It was feet away from him. He was so close. He was there when Jesus paid the sin debt of the entire world. Yeah, he went to hell. Let me tell you something. If Judas, if Jesus can have a lost church member, so to speak, in his church, you better know we got him. If a thief can hang on a cross and see what we believe by faith, we've never seen this, this occasion, did we? Was you there when Jesus died? Was you there when he looked up to Father or to the Father and said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Was you there when he said, It is finished? Was you there when he said, I thirst? Was you there when he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do? We weren't there for none of it, yet it moves us and it brings us to an altar of repentance and we're sorrowful with godly sorrow for our sin because we've read and we believe what we've read that the Lamb of God died for us. But a man was 
mocked him. He mocked him. How is it possible, Brother Teddy? If you really think about this, this is a deep thought. How to go to hell while hanging on a cross? How in the world? How could somebody die and go to hell while hanging on a cross? If the Lord help me, I'm going to tell you this morning. It's pretty simple. Once I got to looking at it, it's pretty simple. Can I give you a few things quickly before we get there though? The first thing I want you to see in this story about this thief going to hell from hanging on a cross is the path. Look at verse 32. The path. Verse number 32. The Bible said, And there were also two other malefactors. What's the next word say? Led with Him. Who's Him? It's Christ. Led with Him to be put to death. May I say, Brother Shelby, by way of introduction this morning, that a thief dies and goes to hell while hanging on a cross. And not only should the cross and the, the day be enough, but look at the path. God sent the Lamb of God in His path before He died. You know what God's doing to each and every one of you today? And some has been done for years. He sent the Lord Jesus... To your path. Let me tell you something. The two thieves were supposed to have been there. They supposed to walk the hill. Are y'all with me? They supposed to have walked the hill. They were supposed to have went through the pain. They were supposed to endure the punishment. They were supposed to be. They deserved and should have been there. But Jesus was not supposed to be there. You get to look into his life. What did he do? Go look. I don't have time to read it all, but you can look through Luke 23. Pilate said over and over and over, I find no fault in him. And the people said, Oh, crucify him. Crucify him. Release Barabbas. Let his blood be upon us and our children. And here these men go. And they were on the path to destruction, which is exactly what they deserve. But guess who approached them along their path? Is anybody going to help me this morning? Any of y'all remember walking down the road of death and the road of destruction and you were going to rightly get what you rightly deserved? But thank God somewhere along the path the Lamb of God showed up. Hey friend, there was one that said yes and there was one that said no. I'm glad to report to you this morning. I am a hallelujah. I'm a child of God because I said yes. Nothing I've done, it's what he did. The path. Notice the place. Verse 33. When they were come to the place, which is called Calvary. But tell you, it's one thing to hang on a cross and go to hell from, from downtown, courthouse. Y'all with me? If they'd have put a cross in the ground in front of the judge's office, front of Pilate's palace. That would have been terrible. But this man's hanging on the cross at Calvary. <laughs> the path. Who's on the path? Christ. Where's the place? Calvary. Isn't it amazing that the Lord Jesus, by the way, hello, when Jesus gets in your path, He'll always lead you to Calvary. Oh, there's never been a sinner that was met along their path by the Lord Jesus that he did not 
and Calvary are inseparable. That's right. They're always together. But then we see the proof. There's proof. You know, there was speculation is this man really the Messiah? That's why they nailed him to a cross. They said, He's the Son of God. Let's kill him. But there's proof. Look with me in verse 34. Verse number 34. We read in verse 33 about the place. There they crucified him. The male factors on the right and the left. Look at verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Now that's proof. That's pretty good proof. A man, by the way, he's already been to Gabbatha. Which means he's already been beat with the cat of nine tails. They've already put the crown of thorns on his head. They've already spit on him and plucked his beard out and wounded him and hurt him. They've already done all that. And this man is praying. Are y'all with me? He is praying for his prosecutors and persecutors. That's proof enough, but hold on. Look at verse 34. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Guess what this is? Guess what kind of proof that is? Prophetic proof. Oh yeah. Not only does he prove who he he says who he says he is by his actions, but it's been prophesied. One day the lamb's coming and they're going to part his raiment. They're going to cast lots. Prophetic. Everything that the Old Testament prophets said would happen has happened. I mean, Brother Teddy, we'd say it like this. Brother Caleb, the proof is in the pudding. He's without a doubt God's Son. Wrapped in flesh. My God, do you all know a mortal man that can go through what he's just went through at Gabbatha in the garrison, which is Pilate? You know, after Gabbatha, they took him down to the garrison. They took him down behind the closed chambers of Pilate's uh, Pilate's, and that's where they tormented him. And that's where they mocked him and made sport of him. And that's where they sat in a chair uh, to do things nobody can even imagine. This is all before he gets on the path with the criminal. This before he gets to the place which is called Calvary. And this is all before we now receive proof because of the Old Testament prophecy in the Scriptures. His life is proof. But just like God, how many times has he proved himself just once? If all he done was prove himself one time, that's enough. But Brother Chris, he proves himself or or <laughs> glory to God over and over. But I tell you, this was proof enough. They beat him to a pulp. My God, we can't get our minds around what he went through. And he's carrying a cross with thorns driving down into his eyeballs. What's he saying? Father, forgive Father, forgive them. That's proof. But then he proves himself again. And here they come, casting lots. Prophetic proof. So we see the place this morning. It's Calvary. The path. Then we see the proof. But then I want you to notice something about the popularity. What was in what was popular at this event? Look at verse 35. 
I'm going somewhere. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with him derided him saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And then here come the soldiers, verse 36. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Then a superscription was also, also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. What is popular? I'm going to tell you what's popular during this occasion when he's on the path and he's leading these uh, criminals, these thieves to the place uh, and he's already given proof what was popular. i tell you what it was. It was mocking Jesus. It was rejecting Jesus. It was insulting Jesus. And it was crucifying Jesus. The multitude began to mock. Then the soldiers started mocking. Then, hold up. We're not done. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Look at verse 39. One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying. Y'all see the trickle effect? Why are they doing this? Because that's the, the soldiers are doing it because the multitude's doing it. And the thieves doing it because the soldiers was doing it because the multitude. Does that sound like 2021 to anybody? I'm just going to do me. I'm going to live my life. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to live a Christian life. I don't have to read my Bible to go to heaven. I don't have to pray to go. You're right. You don't. But you ought to want to because of this day when God in the flesh between heaven and hell for you and me we should have got what we deserved but he took our place you ought to want to live if you're saved and you don't want to live for Christ you're not saved help me somebody there's a whole bunch of people that are professing but very few are possessing when this event is real in your heart ain't nobody got to pry you out of the bed on Sundays Come on, somebody. Does anybody remember where you was before Jesus found you and saved you and reborn you again? I'm trying to tell you, hallelujah, for the price that was paid on the cross of Calvary. Why does that not move us? I promise you one thing. If, we, if God would have allowed us to see that day, my, my, my. But even then, you know what's sad? They'd still be rejectors. Look how many is rejecting him. The multitude. The soldiers. And one of the two thieves. How to go to hell while hanging on a cross. What in the world would cause a man who was... Listen to me. He knew, Brother Dave, he knew he's fixing to die. Jesus has been preaching this message. Y'all better repent. Before Jesus was John the Baptist, y'all better repent because without you realize that Jesus preached more on hell than he did heaven. Yep. Study your Bible. He preached more on hell than he did heaven. He was more of a warning thrower than he was a worship leader. Help me, somebody. That's a problem too. Let me run around it. And these modern day contemporary. Whatever you want to label liberal, that's the problem in most of these churches is it's all about the prime and the pomp and the praise and the party, but there's never no there's never no reality of our own problems and our sin.
and our difficulties. Listen, I don't care what Joel Osteen says. Uh, we're not good. And we're not wonderful. And today's not your day. We're sinners without hope. We do wrong by nature. It's in our nature to do wrong. We need a Savior this morning. We don't need a celebration of self. We need a Savior. You can't get to heaven on your own. Why do people live for themselves and claim the name of Christ? Christ was the most selfless human being to ever breathe air on this planet. Everything he did was for someone else. Everything. Everything. Any of y'all struggle with Christmas this year because you couldn't give like you wanted to? I did. I did. I struggled with that. It bothers me. Last year was pretty decent for us. This year was hard. So I told our kids, I told them last night, so I wish we could have done more for you. But you got plenty, and you got more than you deserve. Because if we got what we deserved, we'd get nothing. That's right. We are raising a generation of children that if they don't get their everything on their Christmas list, they throw a temper tantrum and they're upset and they lock their bedroom door and slam it mom and daddy's face and they act listen, that's not that's not moral, number one, but it's ungodly. It's not like Christ. Christ never called it blessed thing, but he gave everything and never complained one time. We got so much more. Than we deserved. You want to know how to tell somebody's heart? I'm going to tell you how. You want to know how I know real love? Some of y'all are going to be upset with me about this. You just have to be upset with me. Here's, here's how to know real love. My mom and daddy displayed real love to me and my family this year. They bought me. I don't know how many solid white t shirts, which I need, because I destroy them, sweating like a crazy gorilla. Some other necessities, some socks, $50 Bass Pro gift card, which I've already used <laughs> that night. I did, bought me that arm hoodie. Y'all with me? Bought my kids. You should have seen Elijah last night. My God. They bought him a four wheeler, one of them pirate, it's high pirate outfit though. And it got nighttime, so I zip tied my headlight onto it. Front of us, so he could drive in the night, man. He was having a ball. Madison got a big bike, and they got all kinds of other stuff, you know. He bought Amy all kinds of things. They were really good to us. And they don't be upset with them. You know what I was able to give them? Sure, Brother Josh, that's not so. I could have done something cheap. They probably couldn't have used. But I didn't take anything. Some of y'all's mesmerized by that, ain't you? Here's what they did. They said, here's all yours. And I said, but Mom, Dad, I asked us on Christmas Eve, y'all want to go ahead and open them? I said, no. I said, because we don't have anything to give you. So I'm going to open them. I was going to try to come up with something before Christmas and give something on Christmas. They said, no. We don't want nothing. Know what that is? 
Don't expect anything. Why? Why did I bother them? Because they were not as concerned with what they were getting as what they were giving. That's a love a father and a mother have for their child. Is this ringing a Holy Ghost bell to anybody? Yep. <coughs> Some of y'all's mad at me, but I'm going to ask you something. What have you given him? Yep, I I showed up to church. You really think? <laughs> you really think we're repaying him? No. I read my Bible every day. But do you really think we're repaying him? That's the bare minimum. It's to read his love letter to us and show up at his. My God, what would my parents feel like if I never showed up? Just to receive the gift and say thank you. How disrespectful would that have been? How insulting. Why is it, why is it Christian people say, oh, I love the Lord, but they don't even show up to His house? You know why we're here? Brethren, we made the worship. We're here to say thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for what you've given me. We're not here to judge each other's appearance. We're not here to figure out who's giving the most. We're not here to have a popularity contest. We're here to say, thank you for my gift. Son, the only begotten son that was given for me. Thank you. Why don't we hold that against us that we have nothing to offer? Because he loves us. It's real life. It's real life. How do you go to hell? How in the world does somebody go to hell while hanging on a cross? I'm going to give you three quick things. I've only been preaching 28 minutes. Time myself. Can I give you three quick answers? How in the world it's possible this man went to hell while hanging on a cross? Number one, he went to hell while hanging on a cross because of his pride. What do you mean, preacher? Look at verse 39. I'm going to show you. Verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him. You can go home, but if you look up that word railed, you know what it means? To scold or complain in bitterness. Some trans, uh, not translate, but some define it as to, uh, to blaspheme, which I understand, but in the practical term, you know what that word rail means? If you are railing on somebody, it means to scold them or complain to them in bitterness. How, how in the world does a thief hanging on a cross go to hell from a hill called Calvary? Number one, because of his pride. May I say the thief was too bitter to believe. He was more concerned about what he was going through and what he had had to live through and what he experienced. He was too bitter to believe. He was too bitter to beg. You know what I'd have been doing? I think. I'm on this side of the cross so it's easy to say that. But what I think I would have been doing that day, they're fixing to nail me or they have, they're going to nail me to a cross. I know, Brother Sheriff, there's no question this is his day of death. That's right. There's no way around it. They're fixing to kill him. He knows that. 
I would think it would have made perfect sense to beg Jesus to save me. To me, I'm moments, that's like sitting in an electric chair and watching them flip the switch. You know you're fixing to cross over. I think I would have begged him, but he didn't beg him. What did he do? He griped and complained and was bitter. He was too bitter to behold the Lamb of God. May I say it like this? The Son of God is hanging on the cross right next to Him paying the price for sin and the sin for all the world. But the thief could not see past his own punishment. He could not see past his own problems. He could not see past his own position. His pride, his selfishness is what sent him to hell while hanging on a cross. You know what he was? He was too hurt. Y'all with me? He was too harmed. His life had mistreated him too much. He was too humiliated. He was too heartbroken. It was all about him. How do you know that? I'm going to show it to you. I believe this is his mentality. If Jesus really loved me, and if how many of y'all have heard stuff like this? If God was such a God of love and God really loved me, why am I here? Why am I having to die like this? See, he couldn't see that the Lamb of God who did nothing was having to die a cruel criminal's death. All he could see was his own death and his own crime and his own penalty and his own life. He was full of self. He was full of pride. How many people have you heard? So if God is such a God of love, why did I have to go through this as a child? See, everybody thinks pride is sticking your chest out straight. Everybody thinks pride is defining the proudness. No, can I tell you, you can be prideful. Are you listening? You can be prideful with a broken heart. How, Brother Shelby? Because you are not willing to see His cross because you are only fixated and focused on your cross. Yeah. Why would anybody go to hell while hanging on a cross? I'm going to tell you why. Because they could not see past their own situation to see the Savior. The one thief was looking at Christ saying, he don't deserve this. And the other thief was looking at him saying, if I've got to go through this, you should too. Are y'all with me? Pride is a dangerous thing, my friend. And I say, listen to me, I've got a lot to say in a short time to say it. Until you rid yourself of pride, you can never be pardoned. And you put your feelings and your thoughts and your emotions above what Jesus done for you. You're full of pride. And you'll go to hell hanging on your own cross. Pride is the key that opens eternal damnation. Pride is the poison that you drink hoping someone else dies. This thief had no interest in accepting Jesus. He was only concerned with accusing him. Just like everyone else. 
He was full of pride and had became so bitter because of the repercussions he had experienced in his life. May I say you can blame. Listen to me. I'm trying to tell you in the power of God you can blame a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot of places for the hardships you've had to go through in life for the difficult times for the hurt and broken heart. You can blame a lot of people but God ain't one of them. God did not put you through the hard times. Are you listening? What? Whose fault is it? Difficulty is sin's fault. Distress is sin's fault. Death is sin's fault. Depression is sin's fault. Every negative thing we experience in this thing we call life is because of the curse of sin. Amen. It has nothing to do with the Savior. The Savior came to set you free from sin. Listen, we're in a sinful world wrapped in sinful flesh. We're never going to escape depression. We're never going to escape difficulty. We're never going to escape distress. We're never going to escape that here. We're not going to get out of it. Hey, glory be to God. But when you get saved, you ain't trying to get out of it. You're just trying to get a hold of one in the middle of it. Hey, I'd rather go through depression with Him. I'd rather go through difficulty with Him. I'd rather go through distress with Him. I'd rather go through decline with Him as I would have loved. It was His cross, hallelujah, that gives me victory in the middle of my valley. It's not Jesus' fault. You've had to hang on the cross. It's sins. What does sin bring? Death. For the wages of sin is. That thief couldn't see past his own punishment. I'm fixing to die. If you're so good, why don't you say me and you? That ain't how this thing works. Because he is esteeming himself as high as Christ. Are you with me? I want to remind you, he deserved to be there. He's so full of self, he sees himself as innocent as Christ. And he's not. He's guilty. But he can't see past his own nose. All he can see is himself. He's full of pride. See, if you're the Son of God, save us and you. That ain't a sinner's prayer. Y'all with me? A sinner's prayer is when he says, Lord, I know I deserve hell. I know I deserve judgment. I know I deserve wrath. I know I deserve punishment. But thank you for paying my price, Lord. You shouldn't have, but thank you. That's a sinner's prayer. May I say, when you reject Christ, based upon your own struggles, you, you too have esteemed yourself above Him. You Listen to me well. If God really loved, I wouldn't feel the way I do. You have just placed your feelings above His sacrifice. That's hard pill to swallow, but it's true. If God really loved me enough to save me, why did this happen to me when I was a child? You can't blame that on God. That's sin's fault. You realize, had sin never entered into the heart of man in the Garden of Eden, there'd be no, there'd be no horrific childhood stories. There'd be no wounded and scarred children. There'd be no molestation and perversion. There'd be no abuse. There'd be none of that. It's not God's fault. It's man's fault. It's man's fault. It's sin's fault. The cross can set you free if you'll let it. 
Or you can stay nailed to your own cross and die and go to hell. Just like this one thief did. My God. The thief went to hell while hanging on a cross because of his pride. Because he was bitter on earth, he'll now burn for all of eternity. That's a thought. Because he was bitter on this earth, he'll burn for eternity. Secondly, how in the world does a man die and go to hell while hanging on the cross? Number two, because of his persuasion. Number one, we said because of his pride. Number two, because of his persuasion. Look at verse 39 again. The Bible said, one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, that's his pride, he was bitter, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Brother Teddy, does this phrase sound familiar? What's he saying? What he's heard. The soldiers just said this, If thou be the Son of God. The multitude just said, if thou be the Son of God. Let me tell you something. You'll never know Christ when you approach Him with if. If is a word of doubt. If is a word to create and cause doubt. Can I say this? It's the same thing the devil's been using for many, many years. Y'all remember when the Lord Jesus was taken out to the wilderness? And he was tempted of the devil. Do you all remember what the devil said? Twice. In Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 3, the Bible said that when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Then he goes on in verse number 5 and 6, the Bible said, And the devil taketh him up into a holy city and setteth him upon the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Where did this philosophy come from? Why is the multitude saying, If thou be the Son of God, save yourself. Why is the soldier saying, If thou be the Son of God, save yourself. And why is the one thing that's hanging on a cross that died and went to hell saying, If thou be the Son of God, save. They got it from one source. His name is Satan. He was persuaded. You don't know why people die from a church house and go to hell. The persuasion that this old world and the people in it have on them. The God of this world. There's people that know they're going to go to hell. But they will not give in and give up and get saved because they've been persuaded. They've been too persuaded. How do you know he's persuaded? Look who he's at tonight! Y'all have heard that. You are who your friends are. He is saying the same thing that all the other rejectors are saying. That one thing's not. He's not saying the same things. Why? He's not been persuaded. Like this man has. You know, this persuasion works both ways. Do you know that? King Agrippa, what he'd say, almost that persuades me. But you know also what the Bible says, don't you? I know in whom I have believed and am that He is able 
to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I'm glad I was persuaded. Why is it important, Brother Chris, to be at church on Sunday or Sunday and Wednesday? Why is it important to come to revival? Why is it important to preach and sing and pray and sing and shout? Why? Because we are persuading our children. Don't know why it was easy for me to say yes? I've watched Mom and Daddy say yes. I watched them live for Jesus. Don't know why it's hard for some of y'all to come around? Because your mom and daddy take you to church. They fought and cussed and drunk and did drugs. Help me, somebody. Why do you struggle in ways that others don't? Because you have that old persuasion that the world and the devil still attacking your flesh. Some of us don't have. Y'all with me? Is this making sense to anybody but me? Yes, you're going to fight that persuasion to the day you die. But if you'll give in, oh Lord, have mercy. It won't take you long. He'll start proving and proving and proving and proving. It don't take long. You get to see the hand of God in your life. Hey, good neighbor, I can tell you I have persuaded that he's able. He's done been there too many times. He's done answered too many prayers. He's done showed up in my life too many times. I'm persuaded. That he's able. Amen. But on the other side of the spectrum, you got a thief that's been persuaded he's not able. How do you know? He starts the whole deal off with if. Doubt. Who's the author of doubt? The devil. What's the devil say to Jesus? You don't think that the devil was confident in this approach? If he wasn't confident in this approach, he sure wouldn't have used it against Jesus. He knew Jesus was the Son of God and was still trying to make Him doubt. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know why the devil attacks me with doubt. I don't know why he don't. Yeah. He attacked Jesus with it. Yeah. Yeah. And he knew, and Jesus knew, they both knew that He was who He said He was. Yeah, and He still said, hey Jesus, if you're really the Son of God, He's confident. He didn't move. His lip didn't quiver. He said, if thou be the Son of God, trying to cause our bloodstained Redeemer to doubt his own position, my God, listen to me, with the Father. When he starts making you doubt your salvation, what's he doing? He's making you doubt your position with God Almighty. You know what you are when you got saved? You became an S-O-N. You became an heir to God, a joint heir to Jesus. When God sees you, He don't see you. He sees His Son. And when He makes you doubt and question your salvation, He is doing the exact same thing that He did to Jesus in the wilderness. If thou be the Son. If thou be the Son of the Most High God. He didn't say if thou be the church member. He didn't say if thou be in the denomination. He said if thou be the son. Just like the multitude. Just like the soldiers. Just like this thief. Why did he die and go to hell while hanging on the cross? Because of his persuasion. Because of his pride. Thirdly and lastly. The Lord showed me all this. I like it when he does that. 
Why to go to hell? While well, hanging on a cross because of his perspective. The way he viewed things. How many of y'all have ever heard this? Well, I just don't see it like that. That's your problem. It ain't about what you see, it's about what he said. <laughs> it don't get no more black and white, Brother Caleb. It ain't it ain't how you see the scriptures. It's how you read them. What did he say? I don't care how you see them, what did he say? Help me somebody. What's wrong with this man? How does he go to hell while hanging on a cross? His perspective. Look in verse 40. Let's read verse 39 one more time. And one of the malefactors which were hanging railed on him. There's his pride. He was bitter. Saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself. He's persuaded. He's doing just like everybody else was done. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, look what he says. Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. What? How is it they're at the same place? They're both on the cross. They're both the same distance from Jesus. They've both seen everything. They've both heard everything. They've both smelled everything. They've both tasted everything. Identical. One is willing to receive while the other is rejecting. Why? Respect how they view it. Let me backtrack. Remember point number one? He couldn't consider and praise and be thankful for the cross of Christ because he was concerned by his cross. But now this thief says, yeah, I'm on a cross, but I deserve it. Yeah. We just read it. Yeah. We, we indeed justly deserve this cross. Man. We have earned it, but this man has done nothing. You see the difference? You see the difference? One is selfish, the other is selfless. What is there a lack of? Number one, there's a lack of repentance. Look what it says. Verse 40. Doth thou... Y'all reading that? Doth thou... Question. Got a question for you, thief. Fear God? Or not fear God? Is that what it says? Doth not thou fear God? What's that, Brother Teddy? Repentance. You want to know what repentance is? You fear God. You see what He's done for you. You know He shouldn't have done it because Jesus didn't deserve it and you didn't deserve it and you're not fearful like He's going to strike you with lightning. You're fearful because of His love for you. You want to repent. You want to be in fellowship. You want to do right. You want to serve Him because you fear Him. But this man does not fear Him. There's no repentance. His perspective he had no perspective concerning his need for repentance. He had no perspective concerning his need for a realization. Verse 40. Notice what it says. I'm about done. Verse number 40. The Bible said, but the other uh, answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God? There is your need for repentance. Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, there is your need for realization. In other words, Brother Teddy, he's saying, Have you lost your mind? Do you not see where you're at? 
Do you not see you're hanging on a cross? Do you not see you're going to die a criminal's death? Do you not see he's the only hope we got? What's wrong with you? He has no realization that he's deserving of this punishment. You want to know why a sinner won't get saved and they'll die and go to hell while hanging on a cross? They literally cannot see the condition of their condemnation. I'm a, how many times y'all heard that? Well, I'm a good person. I mean, my mama taught Sunday school and I grew up in church and I give down there at the children's home every year at Christmas and I don't give a rip. If you give every dime in your bank account weekly up for charity, your position is one of condemnation and there's no help outside of Jesus. He had a need for realization. He's saying, buddy, do you not realize what you've done? He had a need for realization. He had a need for his reward. Look at verse 41. I'm about done. Just stay with me. Just a few more minutes. The thief that saved said, we indeed justly. It's justified. We indeed. We're in this condition. It's justified that we're on a cross. For we receive the due for our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. Amen. You know what he's saying? This thief's mind, he deserved to be rescued from the cross just as much as Christ did because he did not see his need concerning the reward. He didn't understand. He couldn't see that his life Deserved that. He couldn't understand and see that his sin, the wage or the earning of sin, the reward of sin is death. In his mind, if he can get off the cross, he ought to get himself off the cross and us. Because he was comparing apples to oranges. He was comparing a criminal to Christ. You want to know why people die and go to hell while hanging on a cross? They don't see him as the Savior. They've esteemed themselves as God. Hey, hey, I'm still preaching. You don't know why people die without God? They trust. Listen, you will not die without trusting in a God. That's right. And you know who the God of most people is? Yeah. 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 Themselves. They're their own God. They sit on their own throne. Help somebody. Well, I would do that, but I just ain't willing to give up my drinking. That's because you're God in your house, and you'll go to hell. You will gain your reward, but it's not righteousness. It's ruling. You will gain your reward. You'll die on your cross, but your sin will not be paid for, it'll just be punished. Come on. If we can pay for our own sin on our own cross, that's exactly how we'd have died. But we can't pay the price. We just endure the punishment. It's only His blood that can pay the price. Why? In a world where a man died go to hell while hanging on the cross. He's full of pride. He was strongly persuaded. And he had a rotten perspective. He didn't see Jesus as innocent. He seen himself as just as justified as Jesus to be there. Can I say his perspective was corrupted by pride? His eyes, he deserved to be saved from the cross just as much as Christ. My friend, listen, I'm about done. If you're convinced that your cross is just as important as His, you'll go to hell while hanging on it. 
Y'all with me? If you're convinced that your cross, your life, what you can do, what you can earn, is just as important as His cross, that's fine. You can die on your cross, but you'll go to hell. The thief deserved his cross. He had earned his cross. Me and you, we deserve our cross. We've earned our cross. But the cross that Jesus died on wasn't his. Stay with me two minutes. It was Barabbas' cross. Do you know who else's cross it was? Shelby's cross. It was Chris Siegel's cross. It was Miss Savannah's cross. How'd she get in the other day? She realized his cross is way more important than her cross. Yeah. Y'all with me? It's Ashley's cross. Bob's cross. Brother Teddy's cross. It's Amy's cross. It's Deacon's cross. It's my daddy's cross. It's Michelle's cross. It's Caleb's cross. It's our. It was all of our cross. He died on our cross. So we, look here. Hey, what? Light bulb. So we don't have to. If you want to crawl up on your cross and die, go ahead. But it's already been paid for. He's died on my cross. I don't have to go there if I accept the free gift. You know what we unwrapped? From Calvary, we unwrapped a gift that said, your life, your sin, your punishment, your death, your conviction, your chastisement. Here's, here it is on the cross. And God give you a checkbox yes or no. But I have paid it. Do you accept or decline? It's that simple. What's being saved? Do you accept that He died on your cross? So you don't have to? Or are you willing to take the chance and die on your own cross? We asked, I asked a fella just the other day, and I'm done. Brother Eric, find us a song. Went to a restaurant. Mexican restaurant. I was out of town preaching. The old boy come up. He was young. I said, uh, you go to church anywhere around here? No, sir. No, sir. I said, well, you need to go to church. I said, uh, what are you listening to? I said, what are you depending on to get to heaven? You know what he said? Uh, be a good person? I said, no, sir. That's not enough. I said, are you a Christian? He said, I raised Catholic. I said, you're not a Christian. I said, so tell me again, what are you depending on to get to heaven? He said, live a good life. I said, sir, you'll never live a good enough life to make it to heaven. Your sin has to be paid for. And it was. All you got to do is accept the gift. It's that simple. He, you know what he said? I'm not really into religion. I said, I'm not either. Help me somebody. I ain't religious. Religion ain't never saved nobody. I said, I'm interested in redemption and relationship and a real walk with a real God. I said, until you find out what that's like, I tell you, there's people all over the world dying on their own cross. They don't have to. Jesus has already crawled up on their cross, paid their sin debt. He's done died. And you know what He did during those three days and three nights? He descended down from the Lord most part of the earth. He said, I went to hell. He became as a worm in hell. That's what the Bible said. Come up out of there with the keys of death and hell, power over death. 
hail in the grave as a sinner to the Father, and all you got to do is say, Yes, Lord. That's all you got to do. I accept. So many people will go to hell hanging on their own cross because they have problems with pride, persuasion, and respect. That's all awesome. Father, we love you. I pray that.